Hello Habit Mechanics, it's Dr John Finn here. I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. Welcome to a shorter episode of the Habit Mechanic podcast. Remember, you can listen to live episodes of the Habit Mechanic podcast inside the Habit Mechanic University app, where you can ask us questions live and we will answer you during the live streamed podcast. Inside the app, you can also access your Habit Mechanic Toolkit. You can also watch our live masterclasses and join our live Change Challenge coaching sessions. You can download the app for free. We have this idea of intelligence. Some people are intelligent, some people are not. More recently, the idea of multiple intelligences have have emerged. But... With my scientists hat on, I always want to strip things back to their most rudimentary form so I can understand what are the variables at play when we're trying to learn in this case. And if we understand those variables, we can get better at making them work for us instead of against us. And I think my, well, my experience has been there, there are 10 distinct things that drive learning, that allow us to learn or hinder us from learning. The first thing is your motivation to learn something. So if we just imagine sort of a classic example of, well, we, I suppose we can use a habit mechanic example, couldn't we? We, we, could, we could imagine that, um, that tougher minds, that, well, we can imagine that you're coming to the, the habit mechanic keynote. Um, so how much are you going to learn from the habit mechanic keynote? Well, the first factor will be how motivated you are to learn. So the habit mechanic, if you're coming to the habit mechanic keynote, it'll be framed that you're going to be, it's going to be helping you to be happier and at your best more often. You may have no interest in doing of being happier or being at your best more often. So straight away, you're not going to get much out of the process. Closely connected to that is your belief that you can. So if you don't believe you can be happier you don't believe you can improve your performance you're not going to be motivated to want to do it either so those two things are interconnected and that's why i say in the book your motivation to learn including your belief that you can learn and that's why we have chapters like the chapter we're covering in the book because we've learned that if we want to help people to be at their best we need to help them to really understand how their brain works that they do have this fantastic superpower of learning to get better so motivation is the first factor the second factor is free people's diet exercise and sleep habits because that relates to brain function if your brain isn't working very well you're not going to be able to learn and as i break down in chapter 19 of the book that exercise sleep and diet also have huge impact huge roles in learning so when you sleep that's a really important part of your learning system if you don't put the right uh, foods into your body it will impede learning when you exercise you release um, proteins neurotransmitters that make it easier to learn so if people turn up to a habit mechanic keynote and their brain's not working very well because they've not been sleeping eating exercising properly their ability to learn will be hindered third is your emotional state emotions drive attention 
and attention drives learning. So if our emotions are distracting us because we're dwelling and we're beating ourselves up and we're thinking about something other than the thing that's in front of us that we're trying to learn, then it's going to impede our learning. So again, if I've just had a big argument with my boss and I come to the habit mechanic keynote, my chances of getting a lot out of it will be limited because I'll probably be distracted by the argument I just had with my boss. Four is activation levels. So I explain and fully unpack activation in chapter 21. For me, activation is just as important as sleep, diet, and exercise. It's about mental alertness. It's about how primed your brain is for learning. Does it have the right neurotransmitters in there, dopamine, neuroadrenaline, et cetera? So, for example, um, every morning, the first thing I do is I go for a run so that when I get to my desk and uh, do my focus, clever, what I call eye sculpture building work, I'm ready to go because I've got the right neurotransmitters in my brain. So if people have just done a massive lunch and full of simple carbohydrates and they're coming to the habit mechanic keynote, the chances are their activation level isn't going to be where it needs to be in order to um, optimize learning. And that's often why we start our training sessions, for example, with activation starters, et cetera, getting people moving around. But activation is key. Five is attentional styles. So our attentional style is driven by our by our genes um, because it's a lot to do with eye structure. So in very simple terms, you can think of attentional style on, on a continuum. One end, it's very broad, so you naturally see more in your peripheral vision. That's really helpful for playing field sports like soccer, rugby, hockey, netball, etc., where it's really helpful to be able to, to see space. The other end of the continuum is very narrow focus. That's really helpful for academic learning because everything's right in front of you. The, the words on in the book, the teacher at the front of the class, the words on the screen or whatever. So your attentional style will impact um, your ability to learn something. But we can learn to manage our attentional style so we can learn how to broaden our attentional focus. They do that in institutes of sport. We can learn how to narrow our attentional focus. We teach people how to do that. But it's an important factor. The next one is your memory and memory recollection. Sorry, your working memory and memory recollection capacities. So this is back to the idea of holding something. How long can you hold something in your short-term memory for? Which is sometimes called your working memory. We talk about 30 seconds five to seven bits of information. We can strengthen these capacities. So we know that I've seen a, a rise of people being labelled with adult ADHD and children uh, with ADHD, which is a very complex um, diagnosis, but one of those factors is about memory. We can learn how to strengthen our, our memories via practice. Next one, the brain friendliness and quality of the learning material. This is connected to how we encode information. So think of watching a blockbuster Hollywood movie versus reading 
a really boring academic textbook. One is often easier to learn from than the other. So it's going to be easier to learn something if the if the if the if the training material is really brain friendly. And because we know how brains work, we try to embed brain friendliness into our learning. That's why we tell a lot of stories, etc. But we give people practical things to do. Number eight is the skill of your teacher. So let's say you want to learn to drive. You can either get lessons from someone who's just passed their test or someone who's been teaching people to drive for the last 20 years. You know, who's going to give you, who's going to be the best teacher? So the skill of our teacher is really important. Um, I've been doing this for over 20 years now. So hopefully when I'm teaching people, I'm giving them a good chance of, of learning. Number nine is what we call the volume and quality of your prior learning, what you've already learned. So in a simple example, you can't learn how to do long division if you don't know how to add, subtract, and do short division. So that we have, we have learning building blocks. Um, I think it's harder to learn how to become a habit mechanic if you don't understand how learning works. That's why we put this building block in nice and early. And the final one, 10, is the volume. Remember, it's not just, it's not just practice. It's the volume and quality of your current learning. So there's a difference between sitting down to read a book. I mean, there's a difference between turning up for a keynote and really engaging in that keynote, asking questions, taking notes, working out what you're going to do with the information. It's on a continuum. I could sit in the room and be absolutely passive and almost be not even paying any attention to what's going on. Or I could be in that room, I could be really applying myself, really engaging in the learning process. So they're the 10 intelligence factors. They are the superchargers, but also the blockers for our learning. And like most of these things, they're absolutely invisible to us. You know, why wouldn't you teach every teacher those factors? Because they're invisible. We don't really know them. I've, I've not seen these, these factors detailed like that anywhere else. We've had to, like many of the things in the habit mechanic approach, we've had to innovate this ourselves. We've had to create our own models and our own frameworks because they didn't exist before. But why not give that now to everyone whose who's job it is to help others to do better? And, that, and why not equip every child in the country with those insights? Because that's going to then, then empower them to take more control of their learning.